Welcome to Steadfast Hope. I'm Stephen Lawson, president of One Passion Ministries. And four times a week, I teach through a portion of scripture to encourage you in your Christian walk. Join me now for this brief devotion in God's Word. Well, good morning. Steve Lawson here from Dallas, Texas, coming to you live from Herb's house. I'm joined by Kent Stainback, and we are at the beginning of a brand new week, and I'm looking forward to spending this time with you. We're going to have about 10 minutes to look at a passage, five minutes for Q&A. If you have any questions, uh, you can email those or text them, rather, into the number that will be on the screen. Keep those questions short. If if you want them read, you've got to keep them short without uh, volumes of explanation, all right? Uh, Our focus today, our devotion today, I've entitled Grace and Peace. And I want to just dive right into this. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 2. You're going to be glad that you've tuned in today. Philippians 1 verse 2. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Philippi says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you and I need is grace and peace. As Paul begins this letter, it's what we call a salutation. It's a very customary way to begin a um, a letter, and it really became a, a Christian greeting as you would uh, meet someone. You would say to them, grace and peace to you. Um, and in letter writing, it was a way to begin a letter, and it was an expressed desire that the recipient would experience more of God's grace and deeper measures of God's peace in their lives. So that's what we're going to look at today, and I trust that this will be a means by which you have greater grace and peace in your spiritual life. So two headings, and the first is grace to you. Um, The you refers only to believers, only to those who are in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's in verse 1. Unbelievers know nothing of the grace of God. It's not, this is only for the family. Now, when he says grace to you, and grace refers to God's unmerited favor, the, the fullness and the richness of God's blessings, here he's not referring to saving grace because the Philippians are already in Christ Jesus. They have already experienced um, regenerating grace, and justifying grace, and redeeming grace, and forgiving grace. They have already entered into this. So Paul is not expressing, I wish you'd be saved. No, they already have this saving grace. This is what we would call um, overflowing grace, Um, Christian life grace. And when we read the Bible, Just three quick cross-references. In Romans 5 and verse 2, Paul talks about the fact that we have an introduction into God's grace. In other words, when we are justified by faith, it's only an introduction into the beginning of a fuller uh, experience and enjoyment of God's grace. Um, In John 1 and verse 16... Jesus came that we would have grace upon grace. And the idea is there would be a continual, ongoing flow of grace in our lives. 
And in 2 Peter 1, verse 2, uh, Peter writes that the believers would experience multiplied grace. May grace be multiplied to you. So what those cross-references are telling us is after we are justified by faith and enter into the kingdom of God, that's only the beginning of an experience of grace. And every day we need renewed supply and measure of the grace of God. Let me give you three specific ways in which God's grace is is needed in our Christian lives. Uh, The first is sanctifying grace, that we would be continually, day by day, conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That is a work of grace. We do not conform ourselves into the image of Christ. God does this. And so, first, there, there, we need sanctifying grace on an ongoing basis. Philippians 2.13, it is God who is at work within you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Second, we need strengthening grace. Uh, as we go through the demands and the pressures of the Christian life, as we are surrounded by challenges uh, throughout the day, we need strengthening grace. And 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 tells us that in our weakness, His strength is made perfect, and He identifies that strength as His grace. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. We will never face a trial or or a challenge, but that the grace of God operative within us is yet greater We have all-sufficient grace. So, sanctifying grace, serving grace, or excuse me, strengthening grace, and then third, uh, serving grace. Everything that God calls us to do in service for the name of Christ, we need God's uh, enabling grace. Uh, I need His enabling grace to teach this lesson. Um, I need God's enabling grace to teach and preach the Word of God and to write books. Whatever it is God has called you to do to serve Jesus Christ, God supplies the grace for you to be able to serve Him. So as Paul says, grace to you, that is uh, his desire for the Philippians, and it's God's desire for you that there would be grace flowing into your spiritual life. And he concludes verse 2 by saying, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That this grace does not come from this world. Uh, This grace does not come from another person. Uh, This grace does not come uh, from ourselves. This grace comes down from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, It is an out of this world grace, if you will, unlike anything this world can supply to us. So we must look to God for this grace. Now this leads second, not only grace to you, that was Kent who just sneezed, not only grace to you, but second, peace to you. And he follows up grace to you, and he says, and peace The order is very important. There must first be God's grace before there can be the experience of God's peace. 
And wherever there is grace, peace always accompanies God's grace. And so let's think about peace. He says, and peace. The Bible speaks of peace in a twofold way. There is objective peace, and then there is subjective peace. Objective peace is peace with God. Um, it is reconciliation with God. Uh, previous to being converted, we were at enmity with God, and worse, God was at enmity with us, and when we are justified by faith, we enter into peace with God. That is objective peace. That is a, a standing in, in peace with God. But here, Paul is referring to subjective peace. And subjective peace is the inner tranquility of heart. Uh, as the storms of life are raging all around us. It's not peace with God, it's peace from God. It is the inner um, stillness of heart, knowing that it is well with my soul, and, and all is well. It is knowing that God is in control, that, that God is um, leading my life and providing for my life, and I can rest in God, and despite all of the troubling circumstances around me, I can have this supernatural inner calm and stillness of heart that only God can give. And he talks about this later in Philippians 4 and verse 7. He says, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's what you and I need on an ongoing basis. The peace that can only come from God. And then he says at the end of Philippians 4 verse 9, and the peace of God will be with you. Uh, this is a peace that only God can give. And so that's why he says grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. How may you have greater grace and more peace? It is by abiding in Christ. Um, it is by resting in the finished work of Christ and relying upon Christ for every need in your life. It is from bringing your burdens to the Lord in prayer and leaving them with Him. And it is in that experience that uh, we have more and more of God's peace in our heart and soul. Well, that's our morning devotion. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May you know this fuller grace and peace in your life. Kent, I certainly hope that we have some questions. We do. We Good. do. <clears throat> we, have, we have a lot of questions. I'm glad I got my phone back. So. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> another story. Um, <clears throat> Steve, what does this grace look like in a physical way? I guess. I guess. I yeah, guess the question is. Yeah, in a physical is, way, and there yeah. is a, a. Can can it be seen? Well, I don't know that the way it's, it's played out. I guess. I, 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 I don't question. know that it's like visually seen, but right. it it can be uh, a physical expression of Someone's God's a grace. Person. Yeah. Uh, for example, there there are many times I come in to preach and I am so tired, uh, I I can barely shuffle my feet into the, the church. 
and and we're singing, and I'm still dragging, even physically. But I stand up to speak, and it's as though God just gives a greater grace in that moment. And it's not just that my mind is further engaged. There, there is a renewed physical strength that I have. And sometimes I'll even be physically sick hmm. and unable to mm-hmm. hardly uh, stand up. That's happened many times, wow. and God just endues me with the physical strength that I need. And then when the sermon is over, I come crashing back down. Hmm. And so I do think, I think mom, uh, God gives to moms who are taking care of little children through the night, even a physical strength, as there's loss of sleep on their part. Um, this grace can come in physical measures, mostly it's spiritual and emotional, um, but there's also even a, a mental um, aspect to this renewed grace as we're able to focus with, sh- uh, with a sharper um, tunnel vision and, and God even brings thoughts to our minds that we, when we're witnessing to someone okay. and all of a sudden a verse comes to the forefront of our mm-hmm. mind, that's, that's God's grace at work in our lives. So, so God's grace plays out if you're a doctor or a lawyer or you're a businessman? I think it plays out in every area of our Christian life. It's not segmented to one aspect. I I think the fullness of our Christian life knows the experience of of God's grace. Okay, is this grace an unlimited amount? In in an unlimited amount? It's unlimited in this sense. There's more than you can ever use. Hmm. Uh, God's supply always exceeds our need, and it's an all-sufficient grace to do the will of God for your life. It doesn't mean that we we will not have struggles and weaknesses. It doesn't mean we're just going to go through life as though there's no no, uh, uh, drag, no, it, it comes in measures, but it's always more than what we need. Uh, another question then, is, is this why Paul, or is there significance why Paul begins and ends his epistles this way? Absolutely. It, it, it's, uh, it, it's to emphasize our dependence upon God's grace every moment of every day. And for example, this book of Philippians concludes... Uh, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So Philippians begins and ends with this same uh, expressed desire that the Philippians would know more of God's grace in, in their lives. So yes, it, it, it's to emphasize and stress our dependence upon God's grace for everything that we do. So we'll take one more question, yeah. I guess. And... Uh, and this is, you've, you've answered it in a way, but I guess repetition or maybe in a different, uh, yeah. the question is, how can we grow in this grace? I want this grace. I want more of it, like it says in Second Peter 3. Yes, great question. We avail ourselves to what theologians refer to as the means of grace. So the means of grace are like the channels through which this grace is flowing into our lives. And so we have to avail ourselves to these means of grace. Uh, Video games are not means of grace, you know. Uh, It's the Word of God. It's 
prayer. It's personal and corporate worship. It's fellowship with other believers. It's the Lord's Supper. Um, it is um, all of these. It's even Christian service as we are giving our lives away to others. These are all means of grace by which this supernatural supply is flowing into our lives. So is it in direct proportion to the amount of time we spend in these in the word and I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't not? say the amount of time I would say the quality wow that's good uh, it, it's better to have less of something that's qualitative than more of something that's mediocre and and so there's also aspects in which we must confess our sin because there are things that block the flow of grace into our lives and when we're living our Christian lives with self-centered interests and living with a bad attitude towards someone and living with unrepented, unconfessed sin in our lives. That, that's like clogging an artery in, in your heart that's preventing this flow of grace to come in. And that's why prayer is <clears throat> so important. And it's so important that we be confessing our sins, even as Christians, uh, on an ongoing basis, as soon as we are convicted of that sin, we, we need to take it to the Lord in prayer and ask for His forgiveness so that the dam that's holding back the flow of grace into our lives is broken up and, and there is now a, a new river of grace that floods our souls. So, I want to thank you for joining us uh, this morning. We try to keep these short and tight and, and to the point. Uh, I'm an hour preacher, so this is killing me to, to do this in 10 minutes, um, but it, it's intended to, to put some, um, some truth into your heart and for the wind of heaven to blow into your sail and propel you forward in the will of God. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow morning. Kent will be with me as we continue to ask God for a steadfast hope in our lives. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Steadfast Hope. If this was helpful to your Christian walk, please leave us a review wherever you listen to this show. And if you want to connect on social media, I can be found at Dr. Stephen J. Lawson or at One Passion Ministries. Thank you for listening, and I hope you will join me again for the next episode of Steadfast Hope.